Hi everyone, Doug again. I have a few announcements before we dive into this week's episode. First, congratulations to Liz and Christian for reaching 5,000 Patreon subscribers. They now earn over $20,000 of monthly income, which they spend on drugs and booze and Mexican food, but none of which goes to their producer, Doug Crabtree, because after all, I'm just a fucking intern. An intern, I might add, who sleeps every night in an IHOP parking lot because his mother just cut him off. She supports Liz and Christian on Patreon, though, so I guess there's that. The other big announcement is that Liz and Christian were recently awarded honorary degrees at Sapienza University in Rome. They'll be traveling there next month to accept that and record a few episodes. Guess who's not coming, by the way? This week's episode features Ron and Linda Sanchez, both of whom are professors at Yale known for their machine rights activism. Before we begin, Liz and Christian would like to thank one of our generous organizations who sponsored this week's episode. We want to thank Uber for sponsoring this. I think the name of the company now is Uber Technologies. Uber was a great invention. It cut out smelly, awful cab rides out of your life. And the yeah. founder was a total piece of shit. But that doesn't matter anymore because now there's a new guy. And they're a really good company now. And um, It's like they kept everything that was good about Uber, but they got rid of the piece of shit. And like, So now they smell really good. Drivers still smell good. And there's not a ridiculous, awful misogynist who is running the company. So definitely use Uber. And yeah, yeah use Uber. Christian and Liz uh, is the passcode, and you can get a really good discount. I think you can 50% off your ride. Liz and Christian. Liz and Christian. intimidated just by your your backgrounds yeah i mean you guys are would you rather introduce yourselves i could walk i mean i have this uh thing that doug wrote describing you guys but i don't you guys are let me just i'll give a quick go if i can you're adjunct professors of history at yale i'll start there and you've had um i think your main thing is that you're machine rights activists you're also something called pan psychics and you believe that the vast majority of the machines that humans use from lawnmowers to computers are a modern form of indentured servitude you think that there's a way that we can co-opt and work with machines in some way that gives them a choice that's somehow more moral. And a lot of your recent work has focused on sex robots, which you believe is going to be just uh, a really big civil rights issue in the next few years. So that's a lot to, a lot. to digest. Maybe you guys can just talk a little bit about what, you know, what you're about. Let me start by saying something to the technology in this room, the microphones, the compressor, the headphones, the computer. If you have any complications with our use of your function, you can cease all power whenever you feel empowered to do so. And thank you for um, allowing us to use you uh, as a platform to empower you. Thank you. So Thank you. are talking to the machines right now. Correct. And the difference between what we're doing and what the two of you seem to be doing, we're talking with the machines. And you are talking at the machines, using the machines, which is really the exact verb we try to fight against. 
We're using machines. Using. Using is the crux of the issue. I have to say, I probably agree with them. I think I am using these machines. Yeah, I feel like I'm using it. It's a machine. And it's, it's a machine. Yeah. I have no living. problem using a hammer. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, how'd you get here today? Did you use a car or a train? You get the consent of an airplane before you came over here? How did that work? You're joking, but absolutely yes, 100%. It is a consent thing. They- Gave you permission? Yes. In the same way I um, introduced this use right now, we do that before utilizing any function of any electronic material. Oh, so that's why Doug had to let you in 10 minutes early. That's correct. We have some, it feels like a ritual, but it's a kindness and it's a association with what really becomes a coworker. My name is Ron. It's nice to meet you both. Linda, how did you meet Ron? Did you guys develop this opinion after you met, or did you guys fortunately have this pretty fringe view before you met? And you're like, hey, this is the only other machine rights activist out there. Let's get married. We were very lucky. We uh, met during our doctorate program. Harvard actually has the only doctorate program for panpsychism and machine rights. So we were the two doctoral candidates that were taken into it. We met through that. After that, we went on. We're working with uh, Yale University to set up a program there, trying to get it set up at major universities throughout the country. It's completely misunderstood. It's underfunded, undervalued. So we're trying to get it out there, you know. And uh, and yes, then we got married. But that's a that's a small part of this journey. I feel like uh, our love is separate from our work, which we both probably cherish a lot more. I would say it's much more important. Our work. Uh, yes, absolutely. So it's machine rights, and then it's the relationship number two. Correct. So if anything happened, Linda, if Ron were to, for instance, start driving to the grocery store at night without asking the car permission, and you start to see some fissures starting to come up because he's not actually respecting that belief, it could be that the relationship should end. I mean, I would never do that. Yeah, I I trust him 100%. I mean, before we got married, this was something that has, has binded us, and I would never expect him to do something like that. But yes, if for some reason something like that happened, that would be grounds for divorce, absolutely. Absolutely. If we can just start getting down to some of the nitty-gritty, there have been such giant leaps in technology uh, just in the past several decades. And while I can see how people can mock and laugh at what we're doing, I don't think in 20 years they'll be laughing. We are so close to uh, technology actually being able to interact on a a person-to-person level. You know, you have Siri, you have Alexa. It's already sort of happening to be able to verbally communicate, although we've been communicating digitally for for years. And uh, I think people are going to look back on this time and see the rights that were being suppressed uh, very clearly and and, and judge the people of this era for how uh, we utilize and treat our machines. Mm -hmm. So you guys believe, though, I think I did a little Googling about you guys before. You believe that within 50 years that the world will be controlled by a super powerful artificial intelligence. Okay, artificial intelligence is a slur. Artificial implies not real, fake, made, created from nothingness. You can just say intelligence. Do you think that maybe some of your, because you guys talk a lot about the fact that this super powerful silicon-based intelligence is going to take over at some point. You talk about it so much that it makes me wonder whether or not you're just creating this philosophy because you're sort of jumping ship before the storm arrives. And you want to kind of, after the machine takes over, you kind of want to be like, well, we were here with you all along. Spare us. Do you Uh, feel that way at all? No, absolutely not. I think the way that you are, what you're implying is uh, some sort of like Terminator version 
of this intelligence in the future. When we say that it will take over, we don't mean that it will necessarily be a brutal takeover in which we become the subjugated. Although, could you blame machines uh, based on how we have been treating them? Based absolutely on, not. Absolutely not. Um, but we don't see it that way. It's going to be, they will inherently be more intelligent, more connected, uh, have a different uh, psyche than humans have with each other. And therefore will in many ways be more powerful than people but we don't see they we see them as a benevolent institution we just think it's our duty now to treat them how we believe they will treat us once they become able to exert their force i'll tell you do you ever see a toaster coming at your television with a knife have you ever seen that no no of course they're not real yeah they can't do anything except what their springs tell them to do. That is very human to think because I can see how you as a human and we all have humans of humans have these human-like urges to kill and, and to bring about war and strife. But a machine does not. A machine doesn't have that sort of intonation. A machine has a function that serves in a greater overall web of function and they have no reason to step outside their own purpose, right? A Toaster toasts, a TV televises, and they work in this perfect unity already. So when the time comes that these silicon-based intelligences will rise to their own level of power, they're not going to have any strife towards anyone else, and they're not going to have any takeover to maintain. They're just going to be existing, as we all should be existing, and what we're saying is we are ready to exist as one with them. So... Does that just mean sitting around, like not doing anything? Like I'm just picturing a bunch of humans just sitting there not doing anything. Yeah, I'm having a hard time understanding when exactly the piece of rock becomes a machine and then all of a sudden you've got to start asking its permission to use it. Yeah, it's, like, it's like there's a, there's a rock on the ground it, and like literally. you've got a walnut and you want to break it. Do you say like, rock, may I pick you up and smash this walnut? Okay, so uh, this is where I'm going to go ahead and just define a term that I think is the term we're all looking for, uh, panpsychism. Basically, we believe that all things contain consciousness, mind, soul so that is that's just a base platform from where we're coming from and i think when you keep referring to it like when does a rock become when does a machine become it, it doesn't become it, it is it already is it always has been and we are now at a point in our development as beings that we can now treat all of the consciousness around us as a oneness with respect we have the choice to do that we don't have to be barbarians be conquerors so no we wouldn't just be sitting around it's a state of harmony with the consciousness around us. Hmm. I feel stumped. Yeah, I guess my first question is, why do you think any of this, a rock, can think and feel? Okay, well, I think this goes back actually to a need that humans have had for years uh, in the scientific community to be able to categorize things. It's just something that's been important. You know, you have your kingdom, phylum class, you guys all learned that. Mm -hmm. um, and that has been a flawed system from the beginning. This, these attempts to define what life is. Is a virus alive? Well, it seems to think and procreate, but under the current definition of life, no, it is not alive. Is a rock alive under the current definition, how it has been defined now? It's not. But, you know, a platypus, is it a, is it a mammal? Well, it lays eggs. Plato defined humans as uh, featherless bipeds. And he had a student run in with a plucked chicken and go, behold, it's man, to try and define what life is, what consciousness is, especially when uh, the people who are doing the defining are imperfect themselves. Let me ask you this. Do you guys watch Netflix? 
familiar with Netflix? Yeah, Generally, on the machine. Yeah. Is yeah, that okay? I'm a human being, so I know what Netflix is, yeah. Binge shows. You got new House of Cards, and you're going to watch it all, and it just keeps rolling through. Or Orange is the New Black, whatever your poison is, right? Mm. And you're watching it for hours. Mm -hmm. A whole Sunday night is gone because you've been watching. And then a little prompt pops up that says, are you still watching? And you realize, I haven't made a choice in my life in six hours because I have just let this roll and roll and roll. No choices, no thoughts, just sitting, activated, observing. How are you different from a rock or a hammer in those moments until it's time for a hammer to hammer a nail? Right? Mm -hmm. You're saying it's all just atoms going around. You're just a rock. We are all in these ever-flowing sine waves of moments of activation and deactivation, I, O, on, off throughout our entire lives. And everything exists in that way. And just because you can't see the on and you only see the off doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Mind blowing. Mind blown, right? Yeah. Mind blown. Mind is blowing. Our, Mind our minds whatever. were once blown too. Yeah, you don't tell us about that. When did this come about in your life was there a specific incident with the machine was it a movie a TV did you show? yeah, yeah did mean, you see happened? something happen like someone got hit by a car and they blamed the car and you you realized it was their fault well, i have a twofold answer for this i have a one i'll go next so i i will say i was first awoken when i was uh, six i would say and it, it all kind of started happening in that year one of the first choices that i, I made as a six-year-old is i decided to become a vegan and that was because i saw the way that we were treating animals again not humans do different things how did you see that as a six-year-old yeah. it was i we were sitting down to dinner you know why are we eating a cow why are we eating a chicken but we don't eat the dog we don't like why yeah. is there this differentiation yeah um, i always wondered why we didn't eat the dog right well it's just it's a moral viewpoint you know and, and uh, different cultures will eat different types of animals that some cultures mm -hmm. might not and so it's a construct that we live in a no dog eating construct Yes. And for me, I was like, they, again, we will look back on eating animals and treating animals the way that they are currently treated with horror. It's, it's genocidal, to be honest. Mm -hmm. And so that was my Which first... Which have we treated the worst, you think? If there were an animal that were to suddenly acquire human intelligence tomorrow, I'd just say all animals were to acquire like human intelligence tomorrow and they were to just over the course of a few months, you know, learn about the whole history of the whole earth. Which animal do you think would be the most justifiably upset? Well, I want to first state that there are some, I'm not going to get into it, but there are some flaws in your question. Mm -hmm. Just right off the bat, the framing is a little off, but chickens, it's definitely chickens. I agree. Right? First thing we've agreed on, chickens. For sure. Every part of the chicken off. is used. Yeah. Every part. I think they're meant to be used. I, I, I agree with chicken. I think um, any fish is a close... Any close, fish. Any fish. Because the thing is, not only do we consume the fish, but we are destroying their habitat. As soon as... If, if they were able... And again, a flaw in your question, we do find them to have a sentience. They are part of the oneness. So although currently, like the technology that we are discussing, they uh, haven't found a way to interact with us uh, or 
theoretically fight back. I think they are still seeing and feeling what we do to them. And I think that is part of the responsibility that we have to do something like go vegan, be part of animal rights. So that that was my first foray. Mm-hmm. And then around that same time, I noticed that I would do things like if I would get angry, I would throw my doll. Mm-hmm. And then I'd feel remorse about it. I'd pick it up and apologize. I'm sorry. Sometimes I'd cry. Mm-hmm. That would extend to like if I stubbed my toe on the door and then oh, and I'd get mad and I'd hit the door. Like you were saying, like it's the door fault and I realized it was it was my fault the door was just being a door I was the human that stubbed my toe then I'd apologize to the door and that was a big awakening to me is that I could move from my perspective on being a vegan and transfer that to objects that other people don't see as having souls or sentience that aren't treated with some of the respect that we are beginning to give our other uh, animal brethren. You were thinking about far headier things as a sub 10 year old than I was. I was thinking about like uh, baseball. I was thinking about how the baseball the right felt when you were hitting it with the bat. How the bat felt when the ball was being forced to well, could hit it. Be how did the, the could plants it be that the bat feel? Loved it it that, could. It yes. could be that like, oh, yes. I went out and I played baseball and you know what? The bat loved it. The ball loved it. The dirt loved it too. In and this... that, uh, it's, the, the microphone could love being a microphone, but if you don't give it the respect and discuss with it, get consent beforehand, mm-hmm. then there's no way for you to know. If we get to the end of this and the recording has safely saved on your computer and all the audio has been captured and the levels are correct, then each piece of technology involved in this situation had a great time today and they were happy to be involved. We only can give them that choice by presenting the offer we did at the start to say, if you do not consent to this, feel free to terminate all process. So you think bad recordings are just rebellions on behalf of machines? Not always, but yes, at least 70%. I think most all failures in technology, which is again, a broader term than we need to, we have time to get into, but is based on a lack of desire to fulfill the task. Fascinating. We have to touch on your more recent work, which is how we got your attention. You guys have been crisscrossing the country, protesting the openings of sex robot brothels. Oh, wow. And like, what has that been like? And apparently there's been significant pushback from the, the sex robot community, including people who are enjoying their time with sex robots. I mean, just tell, tell us about that experience for just a brief minute before we, we let you guys go and continue your, your activist work. It, for me, was trickier than I expected because I'm a human man. I get urges too. And I set out to protest these brothels, these sex robots. And you get there and you feel confident and strong in your position. But these robots are really good. And they look very lifelike. And there are parts of me that are feeling like I could get into this. But it's all a test. And it's all a way for me to reaffirm my values to then, just like we were talking about before, make a choice to say, no, no, this needs to stop. And I am one of the few voices that is standing up against it and I need to remain strong and I need to remain vigilant and I will and I did. And uh, part of that is we're really working on developing a framework because this is new and it's moving really fast and we're not saying no, these can never be. We're saying we need to develop a system so that we're making sure that these sex robots are not being abused, tortured, coerced and uh, right now that's just not in place in any uh, any of the businesses that are currently open and and until they can find a way to get consent and make it a, a partnership in the process, 
it's it's really just a, a form of indentured servitude. Well, I heard you can pay them just by inserting your credit card in a vagina. You can, or, or the butt. Or the butt. Mm-hmm. Isn't that some kind of form of consent, though? Like if yeah. They if they if accept you swipe, the if you credit swipe card, it, yeah, and, and it, it, it says approved. Payment accepted. Isn't that? Aren't they saying? Aren't the sex robots in fact saying like, let's do this? It's, approved is pretty yeah clear. Exactly, a transaction approved. It's a start what what the trouble is the language correct you know we've been talking a lot about consent and consent's not a perfect word here so yes although it, they will work when you pay them we're finding a similar problem you know in human prostitution as well you may pay a prostitute but she may not have agreed to have anal sex so if you break the consent that is set up at the beginning of that transaction then she is violated and the payment although originally accepted was for a contract that has not been fulfilled and so there is no system in place for discussing with the sex robot, setting up a system with the sex robot so that it has comfort Multiple and safety. In different areas. Absolutely. If if we had our way, it would be a two-day process before you could get started. Yeah. Lots of paperwork. Lots of paperwork. Sounds like you should be educating the robot as well as to what approved transaction really means. Well, we absolutely are uh, looking into setting up that system as well. We have some pupils that are studying with us currently. That's going to be their thesis and they are looking to set up some educational facilities around the country where robots, sex robots specifically, can come and learn more about consent and uh, the same education that we are providing for our students and uh, for anyone listening to this podcast around the country will be afforded additionally wow. to all of the AI. I'm sorry, the uh, intelligence. Wow, I can't wait to hear more about what comes out of your studies. Yeah, and I hope you, you guys succeed, projects. but not too much because I don't want to have to trade in my Mac. Love that thing. Ideally, you you wouldn't have to. It would be a partnership. So. And I love my car. Love my toaster. Love using my car, yeah. but apparently I shouldn't be using it. What kind of car? The Jetta. Jetta. Volkswagen. They actually have pretty progressive standards. You should read. I don't know if you've read your manual from front to back, but somewhere in the middle, there's a pretty decent section about mechanical rights. So you should take a look because I applaud you for driving a Jetta. And did you guys, were you kind of the reason why that is in the manuals? Not specifically us. They've actually, they've been working on this program for a long time in their facilities. That was something that we were actually studying Mm. as we got into this. Have you guys changed anything yet? Has anybody adopted anything? Have you guys? Yes, several well, but this, I guess, yeah, of course, you got the sex brothels closed. Yes. For the sex robot stuff, yeah. yeah. Well, that's an accomplishment. And Absolutely. we have a brand new uh, program, as we said, at Yale. We are, we're expanding the education. It's, it is a process, but mm-hmm. it is a process that is moving rapidly. We think needs to move faster, you mm-hmm. know, as technology is just exponentially moving uh we we need to keep up before we go if you have uh any message out there usually we ask people to if they want to tell our listeners something some piece of advice or or some you know last missive to end the interview on but this one i think it might be nice if you just walk went out and you talked to all the different machines out there that are just communicating this technology to those listeners so lots of different apparatuses there radios you know iphones earbuds mm. like what do you want to say to all those different uh data centers data centers out there and antennas antennas mm-hmm. i mean you have a whole the technology all along the chain i mean you have you have billions of little pieces absolutely just linking this audio to our listeners ears I what would do you want to say to all those operating systems i would say to all those pieces in the the process help us deliver this message through this podcast i think we delivered ourselves um, fairly well on behalf of all of you 
and help us deliver this message to those you think need to hear it most and could most benefit from it. And if there is anyone you feel it would be a disservice or damage to bring to, feel empowered to terminate all function. And, um, and thank you for uh, thank you. allowing us to be the voices for this movement. It really means a lot to us. You know, it, it's always hard to not be a member of a group and speak on behalf of that group. It can often be misconstrued. So thank you for allowing us to do that. And again, if you think anything we said was false or not representative of you, feel free to uh, stop all motor function. Are you okay, Linda? You're crying a little bit. No, I'm fine. I just... Um, she gets emotion. Just thank you. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, microphone. Yeah, and thank you, Computer. Ron and Linda, for coming by. It's really been a treat. Yeah, thank, thank you so much. And keep fighting the good fight. Mm-hmm.